Hey there, this is Tammy File, and I'm so glad that you could join us today. We want you to know that whatever you're facing, we are here praying for you. And we pray that you're able to experience the presence of the Lord in your circumstances and that you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you matter to God. Father, speak through us in these moments that we may hear your voice, that we may recognize it in our hearts when you speak, and that we may know to the depths of our bones how you really feel for us and how you really are here with us, each of us, uniquely, and are guiding us. And we are never, never alone. Thank you, Father God. Thank you. Dear one, as you are listening, I want to tell you that God has always wanted you. God has always wanted you. I want you to hear Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. I usually read from the New Living Translation. Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And this gave him great pleasure. This is the Lord's word. Your Father God has always wanted you. Before there was light, before there was an earth, before there were animals, and before God created Adam, God wanted you. He dreamed you up. In, his, in the depths of his own being, for his own joy, his own pleasure. And he loved the idea of you, the unique you that you are. There is not another one like you across all time, across all people groups, across all places. There is not one other individual who is designed the way God has designed you. You are uniquely special to him. And when he dreamed you up, this dream that he wanted so intensely that he brought you to reality, when he dreamed you up, he saw every choice you will ever make. If you're like me, you think about all the choices you wish you had made differently. But he saw every choice you would ever make. And he has a plan for every one of those decisions that you made. You have not messed up his plan for you. Although he does not dictate what we choose, from start to finish, the scriptures are clear that man is held accountable for their own choices. 
But in those choices, God is always working things for good. When your heart is towards him and you desire him, even if you are feeble and you feel completely spiritually inept, and perhaps like me, you might have felt even spiritually handicapped for years. It doesn't matter where you are. What matters is that your heart is drawn towards his and that you pick yourself up from wherever you are and you look to him again. And as we learn to hear from him, as we learn to see him and to recognize his nudges, his guidance, the the ways that he guides us, as you begin to recognize those things, you can begin to make better choices. That's where you recognize what the Spirit is doing within you. And we're going to talk about that in the weeks to come, about how you can know, how you can sense Him uniquely yourself and have a confidence within yourself to say, I think I hear a voice behind me saying, as the Scripture says, this is the way, walk ye in it. So, so my friend, no matter what you have done or have yet to do, he has a special, unique plan for you. And he has a unique design for you. Your personality is not an accident. I know it feels like it is. I know. I know. I know. My own personality has felt more like a liability at times than a possible benefit. And yet, That's not what God says. And your talents, your innate abilities to do certain things, these uh, the creative things that you are drawn to, the way your eye sees or your ear hears things that others don't see or hear quite the same way, those are unique for you. They are an important part of His plan. And your life experiences no matter how complicated those are, the choices that were made against you that have left their mark and shaped you, perhaps, like mine shaped me. And then those choices that you make, God has a plan for all of it to still work towards His joy, His unique uh, path with you. He does not just look at you when you are a finished product in heaven one day. That is not the God, that is not the you that God sees while you're walking on this earth as if nothing happens on earth and that is the only you that he accepts. That is not the case. God does see you as spiritually complete And Jesus Christ, praise God, not by your works, not by works that any of us could do, but what Jesus has done for us. And so you are made what we would call spiritually whole before God. All of your sins, all of your faults and your mistakes and your failures even the ones yet to come, have been removed from you when you accepted Jesus as your Savior, removed from you. And Jesus Christ's righteousness is placed on you. 
I know it doesn't feel right. It isn't right. In a justice system that is governed by the way we think and feel, it is never right. But that's what he wanted, as these passages have spoken to. It was always his plan to use Jesus Christ to bring us to himself. And sister, while he does see your road all the way down the path, and brother, he does see way, the way things end up. His joy is in walking with you in these moments, not just the completed you. He gets to be with that in heaven, but he loves who you are becoming. And he absolutely adores that individual who you have been that he created, that one that he has loved since before the foundations of the world were set in place. Does he love our choices many times? No, absolutely not. Does he grieve them? Yes. Just as we grieve them when we come to our senses. Of course he does. But he does not remain in that place the way our memory haunts us. And we sometimes feel like our entire life is defined by one choice. One choice has irrevocably changed the course of our life. And it is not so. That is a lie from the enemy. We are not defined by one decision. Save. Accept the decision to ask Christ to be our Savior. That is what we are defined by. Praise God. Hallelujah. He is not concerned with where you have not yet made it to. He is concerned with you now in these moments as you are messy. Every single one of us is messy. Can I tell you a secret? I don't care who you look at and think that they are God's gift to creation. They are messy. There are parts of them you would not be able to live with. There are parts of their story that would be so disheartening to you that you would turn your back. You, could, you just can't reconcile them. Only God can. Everyone is in process with God. And that's the way he wants it. That's how he loves us. I will read you the scripture again. I want you to hear this. First person. I wish I knew your name and could say your name. Long ago, this is again Ephesians 1, 4 and 5. Long ago, even before he made the foundations of the world, God loved you. All I'm doing is transplanting the word us to the very personal word you, because you are part of us. God loved you and chose you in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt you into his own family 
by bringing you to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And this gave him great pleasure. Your God has always wanted you and loved you. And he has a unique path to walk with you. Ephesians 2.10 says, the dear one, you, yes, you who are listening there, you are God's masterpiece. He's given you new life in Jesus Christ so that you can do the good things he planned for you so long ago. This is once again, that was Ephesians 2.10. That's once again echoing that God has always had this plan for you in place before he even created the world. You have been in his heart, in his mind. I do not mean that our souls live with him before we are born, but I do mean that the idea of you, the concept of you has been in place this entire time. And then my dear, dear one, Ephesians 3.12 also tells us that because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come fearlessly into our Father God's presence, assured of his glad welcome. Again, that's Ephesians 3.12. Let me say it again this way. Because of Christ and your faith in him, you can now come fearlessly into your Father God's presence, assured of your Father's glad welcome. You do not need to be ashamed when you think of your father and of what he may be saying to you and how he is trying to express his love to you and in your fears about the path and what you've maybe misunderstood and you didn't know what he was saying to you and you, you don't understand even now. But you do not need to fear your God. God's wrath is only towards sin. And when our sin is removed he does not feel angry towards you. Will he continue to discipline all those he loves? Absolutely. New Testament writers are clear that all of us who are his children in Christ, who have accepted Christ, and we have the Holy Spirit within us, he will discipline us. But discipline does not equals punishment. If you grew up in the same kind of home that I did, there was no such thing really as discipline. It was all punishment. Um, and you didn't even know what all the offenses were necessarily going to be until you crossed the line and then it was punishment you were met with. It was a different time period back then. But the point was we have to change who you are. That's what punishment was designed to do. Discipline is the same root word that we use disciple from. Jesus' disciples were ones who were being taught by him. They were not ones who were being punished by him. And we are not ones who are being punished by him. 
Now, does the teaching model, does it sometimes hurt like crazy? Yes. Uh, if you have been around small children, you can know that a strong-willed child, one that I call a leader in training, because I was one of those and was misunderstood as rebellious. And then when I had my own son, who was the same thing, I knew it's not rebellion. It is this intense need to lead. They need to be the one out front making decisions. And so I corralled that leadership in him to teach him how to follow, but not condemning his actions as sin or wrong or rebellion, such a harsh word. Instead, I taught him he's a leader, but a leader has to also know how to follow. And so I gave him opportunities to lead and made those clear you get to be the leader in this situation. And others, remember, mom and dad are the, are the leaders and you follow. And as you learn to be a good follower, as any leader knows, you must learn to be a good follower before you can be a good leader. No matter what your personality was like, your father's love towards you is discipline meaning teaching. And I won't use that word a great deal more except to always follow it by saying he is teaching us. So if you do work with young children, as I was saying, and you've had one that was a leader in training and they tend to do what you tell them not to do. If you draw a line in the sand, they're going to want to put their toe across it just because they can. So they want to. Those kind of young people learn best through experience. Therefore, you get consequences if you do that thing. And it's best when the consequences match the offense. One of the best ways is a kid who just will not stay away from hot stoves. You do not want the child to get burned. You tell them over and over. But if they ever touch a hot burner one time and get that little blister on their finger, they won't touch it again. And we do not want to be that kind of uh, follower to God. We do not want to be self-willed. The whole journey of walking with in Christ and with the Holy Spirit is that he lead us and we not be self-governed. That we learn how to walk his path. But this is not just about outward morality. This is really about the attitudes in our hearts and the ways that we learn best. And the wounds that have shaped how we hear things, how we perceive the world around us. See, he's not just worried about your outward behaviors. In fact, what he is most concerned about and involved in and, and is working intently with is why you are the way you are, why you make those decisions and what he must teach you to help your reactions, your responses, your inner motivations to be something different than they may be right now. And hopefully you can look back and see that you are not where you once were. In looking back, we can see God's work in our lives far better than in looking down at ourselves now. 
engaging ourselves in a spiritual mirror. Your Father God wants you, and He loves you, and He designed you, and He understands better than anyone ever could possibly understand why you are who you are, and you still bring Him joy. And God does have a heart of justice towards those things that have been wronged. God is so clear in his scriptures that he vindicates those who have been injured wrongly, those who've had parts of themselves stolen from them. He will not rest until all your pieces are brought back together again within you and you are made whole. Your God wants you. Your God has always wanted you. If you would like to study along with me, you can find the workbooks at TammyFile.com and just click on the bookstore tab. This message coordinates with the first workbook in the Journey with God series called Discovering the Father's Heart.